I was I was the one that called all my sisters. And they were all stunned. Yeah. No no one picked up the phone the first time. He called me twenty six times. I was putting her to sleep in Florida. In Florida. Because my dad died. Yeah, right, right. So I was in Florida and she wasn't going to sleep and I was like, Okay and I walked into the room and I was like twenty six minutes and then Anna Zacherson had texted me and she said, Ben just text Zach that his dad died. Does he mean your dad? And I was like, what the? And then... Wow. Just wow. Pause. You can pause it. So, what... What... Occurred? What... First off, you're at home. You're doing what? I just got home from work, and I walk inside the house, and I'm all, man, it's quiet, because my mom doesn't like me going through the garage to go to my 3D printer, and I had something printing, and so she had always asked me to go through the house lately. So I go through the house, or I go into the house, and I'm all, man, it's, it's really quiet. Dad must be outside watering or doing something. Mm-hmm. And then, so I go to the garage, I turn my printer off because it wasn't working because of the heat, and then I walk outside and I notice that he's not there. And I said, well, he's either doing something or he's next door or whatever, but this is kind of weird. And Because normally he might be outside watering or actively or in the in house. Or say hello. Yeah. yeah, yeah every, 100% yeah. of the time. And so yeah, yeah. I just thought it was weird that nothing happened. Right. And so I went into the back house and then... Uh, I guess when my mom got home from shopping, she called me and said, Hey, Dad wasn't doing very well today. Can you possibly come in and give him a blessing? And so I don't think she had been in the bedroom yet. And I said, Yeah, sure, let me give someone a call so that they can come over and help me give a blessing with oil. And then two minutes later, I get a call back from my mom saying, You need to come in the house now. There he was on the ground. Um, Where? Next to his bed, it fallen off the bed. I, he either fell off or he was coming back from going to the bath, bathroom and then fell. But he was crumpled up against his nightstand and the bed. And I rushed over and I try and turn him over. And a dead body mom, weighs a lot. His mom said that he had a heart attack. But when I fell to my knees and prayed, my first impression was he had another aneurysm. Mm-hmm. Just because the night before he was throwing up for two hours. When you have a heart attack, my dad had a heart attack. When you have a heart attack, it just, it happens. And so, and he had like, he wasn't feeling good. He was off. Like the day I left to Florida, he was just walking around in his garment top. And I joked around, like, put a shirt on. Because Bob was like always dressed. Like, you know. He dressed well. Bob dressed well. And he was barefoot. And like, which was, he was always in his shoes and dressed. And it just didn't add up. Bob was a very good dresser, and, and one thing that always amazed me about Ty, Bob is how well he wore his ties and his shirts. Do you remember that? You know, he just wore clothes well. Yeah, so, and, and so that that was a little bit of a surprise to you. Okay, I got it. So when you when you um, you walk in there, and obviously he had passed. Is that about right? Yeah, so I run over, and, I mean, he was purple, his face was a little swollen, 
he was dead, but what do you do at that point? So I rush over and turn him over and start giving him CPR, and my mom was shocked. And so I yelled at her twice to call 911. Uh, then while we're waiting for the ambulance, or whoever's coming, I still give him CPR for five minutes or whatever it is. But it was one of those things where you know he's dead, but what if something happens when I give him CPR, he can come back? But I mean, it's a shock to the system. Yeah, it's just I a mean, complete shock to the utter system that what you're going through. I get it. I mean, why if if I saw my dad, which I did, I mean, I saw my dad lying on the ground. It's not like I'm not going to do anything. I have right. to do something. Right. Right. So I always considered myself an optimistic realist. Right. Where I look at him and all, he's yeah. dead. But what if I can give him CPR and there's the hope of him coming back? In your email, I think you wrote, correct me if I'm wrong, I walked by my father and said, hey, or something to that effect the day before yeah. when he was water and he just said hey and you felt a little guilty yeah I wouldn't feel guilty that's just normal human behavior to, yeah you don't anticipate anything you just walk by you see Bob Bob and I see each other at church Bob you know you just walk by and you don't realize that there's another not another day there's not even another hour it's just I would not even feel guilty at all the one thing about Bob that always struck me about my buddy was that Bob was always comfortable with life. We used to have a joke. And the joke was, and this is going to sound a little odd given the circumstances, but that there were a lot of people in life, even within the church, and this is going to be Todd. So hold on a second. Todd, so Yeah. May want to hit that real soon. When yeah. it comes over. That's good. So, yeah. So, the bottom line is are you recording? That Bob and I always had a little joke on a bus. No matter your station in life, what your whatever your job is, whatever amount of money you had, the whole is the same for everybody at three by six. <laughs> Meaning, we're all going to die. die. We're all going to die, and it's going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be okay. And that's just the way Bob and I, I still feel that way about life. It's going to be all right. You know, Bob was a convert. I'm a convert. And we had a, we, we both led lives that were not LDS oriented. He told were, me all those stories. Yeah, they were different. <laughs> he told you stories? Oh, yeah. Bob did? Oh, about yeah. me? No. no, not about you. Oh. About, oh, okay. about Bob. Yeah, yeah, did about Bob. Bob. tell you stories? Well, Bob told me stories. Yeah. So, so you know, I knew all about the, the stories about life. and My favorite, he said that he uh, had just gone to lunch like a week before he died. Well, right before he left on the vacation. Can you, give me, can you hold up for a second? Oh, I was saying that a week before he, well, we went to lunch and he shared this story about how he had a co-worker that thought that she could drink more than he could. Have you heard this story? So they had the competition, and they were taking, it was Long Island iced teas, that's what he would drink. And 
they're drinking and drinking and they had to call it a truce because they both drank the same amount. And so he said the next morning they had a huge business meeting and he was the only one that showed up. She didn't. So he goes, I took that as I won. <laughs> right, right, right. So, well, he had a good outlook. He did. But the words I hate are had, died, gone because really the word is he has a good yeah. outlook he has passed on to the next world he hasn't died because died refers the end to me and he was 70 if I make 70 fantastic and he told me you were 75 well he also lied a lot so I'll tell you guys experience. So, he and I were missionaries together, born missionaries. He and I were also in the elders' quorum together. I don't know if you did that. No, I didn't. We sang some songs together for a, a ward outing. It was just horrific because Bob couldn't sing. <laughs> and I couldn't no, sing. No, he can't sing. No, I'm, I don't even sing in church. It's just horrible. But we did a... Uh, some sort of a Alfie imitation or something like that. I mean, chipmunks or something like that. It was horrible. But when we were born missionaries, one Christmas, it was either Christmas Eve or the weekend before Christmas, we went out with Christmas cards to visit non-member families that we had taught, you know, at some point in time in life. And so we were out together and we we're just cruising around the families and some families everybody's going to take a Christmas card right mm -hmm. no one's not going to take a Christmas card right so we get to a house and we felt pretty good about the evening and then we knocked on a door going up a side stairs it was an upstairs apartment so we go upstairs and uh, we knock on the door and we get in the kitchen and it's just like a one bedroom or two bedroom and there's a mother probably a 10 year old boy and all they had was a, <coughs> a little tiny Christmas tree on a table like this size right and uh, she we introduced ourselves and she kind of remembered us not us but the church and we uh, we said well is there anything we can do for you she goes well I had just called the church about maybe someone delivering or helping us with a Christmas dinner and then you guys showed up so we said no problem. So we went down to Bonds and got a Christmas dinner for her and brought it up, set it on the table. And she was, I think, touched by it. And then we sent over to Sister Missionaries to teach her. So they went over and taught her that night. And she was baptized. And her son. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was kind of an interesting event that Bob and I felt like we'd always referred back to this if we'd done something good. You know, those moments in life where you go, did I do any good? <laughs> that so, one good moment. Yeah, that was just a great moment together. But, um, he was always... My dad was always willing to serve. Yeah, that's very true. And if there's one thing he did well was he would be the last guy to leave because he had mopped the floor. 
of like a ward county, a ward event, he would be the guy mopping the floor, helping put away chairs. You know, he was always very, very good at that. And he had no problem. Bob was also just a, a guy's guy, just a good friend to people. And still is. That's the thing, that's what I'm trying to say here. Still is, always will be. Um, he has a kind heart. Are you guys, did you guys order anything to eat? Drinks. No, we had lunch that was kind of late. So, so he, he, he has a good heart. He has a wonderful disposition with people, and he just is a, he's fine, he's good. I miss him like you miss him, but you miss him more. You know, just being around the house, just Bob being around the house. And, uh, there were a lot of things we did as, you know, as fun, Bob and I did. We went to the car shows in Glendale, I don't know if you knew that. The car shows in Glendale? Uh -huh. The old car shows, did you ever do that? Um, we only, my dad and I went to the car museum with my grandpa, but we never went to car shows. You know, the one they have down in Glendale on uh, Brand Street or Some, whatever? Yeah. Yeah, we did that a lot. So, and as I said, he loved Bob's, because I kind of took him back, you know, to his... his There's still a Bob's Big Boy around. Oh yeah, it's on Riverside Drive. Uh -huh. I didn't know that. That must be the last. Does it still have the Bob's Big Boy outside of it? Mm -hmm. So, we... Just a kind, good soul. There's a quiz question. Question. What was his favorite type of dessert besides apple pie? My answer would be probably anything. I was looking for root beer flow, but anything. He likes, we could go get cake, or we could get whatever, and he liked. We didn't get dessert a lot. Because we didn't get dessert a lot, because we were older. Yeah. That's a different deal. Because you're what? Older. Anyway, we're talking the last five, yeah. six years of our life. Got to eat really he always did whatever you wanted. He never had, and I'd yeah. get so mad at him. I'd say, what do you want? He goes, whatever you, I said, no, Bob, what do you want? Mm-hmm. But because Melody's very, like, it's this way, I think Bob just was so used to saying, whatever you want. <laughs> so I would get him to be like, no, I want to know exactly what you want. <laughs> I would agree with that. Bob would say, where do you want to go? I'd say, what's your thoughts? <laughs> we had our standbys. Togos, Bob's occasionally. You know, this for the Diet Coke or whatever. And I did not know he liked coming here. He always he took me to Panda Express. Well, he liked, yeah, we didn't go to Panda Express that much. That was where he would suggest. Hmm. And I told Ben, I said, I think it's cute. He had his spots with each person. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Ours yeah. was Panda Express, his was Joselitas. Right. Let me just you were Togo's. Yeah, yeah. All right, other question. Um, that's all Who's I had. Who's his favorite kid? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Is that B N or A N? Before Nicole or after Nicole? Mm -hmm. Oh, mm -hmm. he did like me. <laughs> oh. Mm -hmm. All right. So you're planning for August fourth, yes? Um, 
That's the plan. Did you ever hear Bob complain? Yeah. About what? There you go. Um. See, he was very candid with me in yeah. the last six months. So I feel like I know him pretty well. Because everybody says, oh, I didn't really know Bob. He was so quiet. And I'm like, yeah. not to me. I think Eden made him roll his eyes. Yeah. A lot. Oh, yeah. Is that fair? <laughs> You know, I think I've never heard of the grass, that. The I think that's the most diplomatic answer I've heard about that. Is that he, fair? Yeah. That's fair. He used, he used curse words when you and right. I never heard him curse over Bob and I both had one thing in common. We didn't like. Is this recording? I'm only going to be the only one that hears it. And Nicole. But other than that, no one else. Pompous ass Mormons. Say what? <laughs> Say that again? Pompous ass Mormons. <laughs> yes, he, did, he didn't care for it at all. Uh, we, we just don't. We didn't like the the whole genre of people thinking the culture, the culture of it. What I couldn't stand. I couldn't stand it. He couldn't stand it. I'm not a big fan of the. Just. You're right, the pompous Mormon culture is something I don't really enjoy. We always talk about, Bob and I did, there's a major difference between Mormon culture, doctrine, and the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's extremely important to decipher between. Especially when you're teaching a lesson and someone goes off on some yeah. weird tangent. Yeah. We just couldn't stand it. Well, like my mom saying that that was the day he was always going to die, or this or that, or the other. Yeah, I, here's my response to that. I think people say things to so get through the, death. That's my opinion. Wow. You know? No, 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 no. <laughs> can you say that again? Nope. He says something about the fact that you were very sweet. Very sweet. <laughs> One time, I walked into the house, and... By the way, he said that my wife bit back against my mom. <laughs> he, she was yelling at him for something. And, oh, because the Zacherson's had invited us over for dinner. And she oh. was upset because then that meant... Dessert. Well, it wasn't even dinner. It was she, dessert. She wasn't going to have us for dessert. And Bob's like, what does it matter? Like, they just moved into the war. Like, let them do their... And sh so she's going off. And I walk in and Bob excuses himself and goes out to clean the pool and she's like he just doesn't listen you know keeps complaining and I walked outside and I said Bob are you glad that I walked in he goes oh he goes thank you so much <laughs> so she wouldn't leave me alone <laughs> and in the house cleaning she told him normal every day in my car let's go do this let's but you that's but see the thing of it is that's kind of normal in life when you get a little older sometimes with some people does that make sense to you? Over the, I mean, he's just always been about the simple little things in life. He hasn't, he was never about right. um, these huge extravagant events. He no, was always about, yeah, hey, right. let's go to the movies, or hey, let's do lunch, or yeah. whatever. Right, right. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, I'd call him at 11 o'clock sometimes, or 10 o'clock, or we'd have a plan, and it was... What are you doing for lunch? Or he'd call me, what are you doing? And I'd say, 
I don't really have any plans. You good to go? Yeah, let's go. And that's just the way it works, you know. It's just, but it's kind of a guy thing too. Guys kind of operate like that. There's not a lot of planning ahead of time. So I would say one thing that Bob was kind of a guy's guy, if that makes sense. Does that make sense to you? At my old job, I might be working in the area, and then I'll get out of work early, but also in the area, and it'll be 11, 11:30. I'll call my dad. Hey, what are you up to? You want to do lunch? Yeah, let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was fun. I don't think he ever said no. Wow. Ever. We'd be like, we're going to frozen yogurt. You think she'll let you come? He's like, oh, no. we're like, just get in the car. He's like, okay. <laughs> I think he appreciated you two guys as a couple. I'm going to be honest with you. I really do. I think he appreciated you, but I know he appreciated the fact that both of you guys brought each other up well. She does a pretty good job. Yeah. And I guess you're kind of a penny. So are you guys staying in the house? No, we, we don't want to now. Bob was, we, okay, so before we moved up here. That's fine. It doesn't matter. Before we moved up here, um, we didn't want to move up here, and we were in the temple separately and together, and both had distinct impressions that we had to move up here, and we were devastated. We loved our ward in Torrance. I mean, we were both crying, and people didn't understand. We were like, we really don't want to move. And now, like, I told Ben, I said, I now know why we had to be up here. Because I spent every day with your dad for the past six months. Like, even if it was just to go inside to get the mail, like, I spent every day with Bob. Like, I did the laundry. I went inside. We just talked. He'd be outside watering, and he'd be, like, kind of lingering. And I'd tell Ben that I secretly would, like, wait until he watered. And then I'd come out with Emma, and I'm like, want to say hi to Grandpa? So we had, we had this routine. And I wouldn't have known... Bob as well as I did had we not moved up. But now it's like that was our like he was going to watch Emma while I went back so I have a degree in marriage and family therapy and I was going to obtain my hours and Bob was going to watch her two days a week and like that safety net's gone so like what do we do? You know? So I don't know. We're trying to find other avenues on ways to move out because I mean, Torrance, we have stay-at-home friend moms or stay-at-home mom friends, whatever, however you want to call it, that are more than willing to help babysit Emma while Nicole goes back to work for whatever reason. And so then we have those resources there and not so much up so, here. You guys are planning on, without a doubt, moving. Oh, yeah. Within, I would say we would within like to within a year six, or two. six months to a year. Maximum two. It's depressing to be there without Bob. Yeah, no, I understand. Is it going to be tough for you guys to be there? Be she can't she won't go inside the, the house. house. She screams every time she goes in the house. Is that right? Gotcha. And then, I mean, every time I go in the house and I go into the bedroom, I see my dad there all the time. That's going to be very Because he took your... Your room is an office. He did. I remember him telling me when he was going to do that. I remember the day him telling me, "Yeah, Ben's moving. He's done it on wherever you." I think you were going to Torrance, right? Your job uh, was down there. Carson. I was originally going, living in Carson because I had I was renting a room because I just it was a closer to work and I just wanted to get out of the house. Right. right. I think he was excited you guys were coming to the to the back pool area. Um, he was ex he, he enjoyed me being there because I think 
he was afraid to talk to Ben. He didn't know how to talk to Ben. And having me there, he would get to learn more about Ben through me. Right. Because right. I think because Melody and Ben clashed so much that Bob was always like, what do I, like, what do I do? Where do I fall here? And I don't know if you know. Can I say? Okay. 15 years ago, Ben was molested by his piano teacher. Yes. And um, we were in court today, actually, for it. But he told Melody, and she she hid it from Bob. She kind of just took it underway, and and then this all kind of came to fruition in November. Uh, where I was like, what do you mean something happened to you? You could, there's no statute of limitations with kids, and so. I would talk to Bob all the time, and he was like really upset that Melody had held that from him, and um, and you know he was upset that they fought. But I said I feel like this is a perfect time for Melody just to say I'm sorry, and then the, their contention will be gone. But she never could do that, and so she never dealt with it. Right. But but you know the, Bob and I had a discussion about that. I did not. What did he say? Well, I'll tell you why we had a discussion about it. Because um, I'm writing a book. And the book is about my adoption story. Mm -hmm. And the book is about finding family, my natural family in Ireland, and going up against the church and all that business. And when I was found in Ireland, I was found by a priest who, who brought me over to the United States. And he became my uncle. And long, very, this is a very, very long story, but I'm going to make it real short. So, Does that mean I have to read the book? Yeah, <laughs> probably have to read it. Maybe I'll sign it. So the bottom line is, the long part of it is, I was, I was three and a half when I came over, mm -hmm. and this man became my uncle. He also directed my life, and he, meaning he sent me to go to school in Utah. So that part's a long story. But in 2002, the Catholic Church got sued by like 2,100 kids or 2,000 kids for molestation. I got called into the Cardinal's office and they wanted to let me know my uncle was named. And he was a vicar general and he, he was like the bishop of all the priests. And, uh, and he said, they said, we're very sorry to tell you. I looked at them and said, well, there were two boys that named him. And they said, yeah. And I said, well, there's a third. And I said, you're looking at him. Oh, so that's when Bob and I got into discussion about you. Meaning, there is a process to get through this whole thing, and it is devastating. It's something you deal with the rest of your life, and you become a strength to other people, or you fold up into a ball and live in a corner, right? Yeah. So I decided to go out and write a book, and uh, the book is called Opening Doors, and it's about the fact that I came through a, an adoption, a Catholic adoption agency in Ireland, handed over to them by my mother who had to walk away, but wrote eight letters asking about me constantly, and my sister. And, uh, you know, this has been an incredible finding of family and reconciliation. And then, um, Bob knew this story. I went to the temple when I was about 45 to do the man's baptismal work, and I didn't want to do it. No, I, I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, you don't want to do it. Yeah, you, you, you don't want to do it. You don't. You don't want to go to the temple. You're just so pissed. That teacher, you should. You should still be pissed at him. 
right? Yeah, we saw him today for the first time. So you're pissed. I was pissed in the temple. It's not a good I feeling to feel on No, the it's not a good pass. I got dressed in the temple to leave. Still pissed. I was walking around the corner to leave, to almost get to the front door, and Bob knew this story, and I get to the front door, and I literally, as if you're talking to me, there was a voice that simply said, you've done all you can, now leave it with me. And immediately, there was a great love for the individual, a great forgiving, a great cautiousness, but a great understanding that I have a responsibility to do work for that guy. That helps an incredible amount to know you can go into the temple or do whatever, do work for these individuals whose lives are really screwed up. You know, these are difficult lives that these people have put themselves through to become those molesters, to become who they are. But I've done man's ceiling uh, now with my family. But it still lingers in your head. But the bottom line is, when you are able to help other people, that's the way. That's when you start feeling a little bit more comfortable with what the hell you've been living with. Because you live with it inside. It's like another kid. You ever do it with a, You know, when I was writing the book and someone else had met me? Mm -hmm. You like writing about another kid. You're not writing about yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, you're talking about this 12-year-old boy. And this 12-year-old boy is this little guy over here, right? Mm -hmm. And you're writing a book about this kid that's over here. And so you're kind of stepping out of yourself to talk about this little shitty situation <laughs> that you went through in your life. Yeah. And, and it's, it sucks. So, um, what's funny, coming back to Bob, is Bob and I, I used to bounce things off of him all the time about it. So you think he told you this scenario? I think he, I think he shared with me that you were writing a book about being molested. I, I want to say that I've heard that before, unless right. this is David. Well, it may have correlated with Ben. Correct. It may have been the same I believe time. that it was, yes. Right. Because it was more recently that Bob and I would talk about right. um, what happened to Ben. And I right. believe that, I don't know if he said it was you, but I believe that, I remember him saying someone's writing a book about when they were molested when they were young. So it's this whole tie-in. It's a long, long, long story. Now, here's here's one thing that it is wonderful: is Bob is a convert, as you know. So am I. I'm a convert. <laughs> you know that, right? I didn't. Yeah, I'm a convert. Came into church when I was 21, and so Bob and I had that in common. But one thing we didn't have in common is my father and I. He hated the church. When I came into the LDS church, mm -hmm. he was Catholic. He died when he was 98. And you and Bob were able to kind of grow up in the church together. Yeah. So you discussed the church. You discussed why you were going to go on a mission or not go on a mission. You probably had a hard discussion on what you didn't want to do relative to the gospel sermon mission or why you chose. It was probably part of that discussion. But Bob always dealt with things in a simplistic manner, meaning, well, you're going to go out and serve people. And yeah. I can almost hear Bob talking. You're, you're serving people. Go out and serve them with your whole heart. That's, yeah. and, and it wasn't... Bob and I were not scriptorians. How's that sound? He's definitely not a scriptorian. I am not a scriptorian. But he could tell you stories about helping people in a heartbeat. And he helped a lot. Especially when he was hyper-scrooped later. It was just always about 
helping an individual. So here's another story. He helped a guy who was dying, and his name was Frank Thomas, or Thomas Frank, I can't remember. It was uh, uh, Mike Baird's wife, Randy Baird's father. He lived over here in a convalescent facility on Honolulu. Mm-hmm. And Bob didn't go see the guy once a month. He was probably over there two, three, four times a month in his latter part of his years. And he was good friends with him. He'd bring him to church if need be, when he could come. And uh, yes, I kn- I and he drew a Brother picture Thomas. of him. Yeah. yeah. What was his name? Brother Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and he drew a picture of him. And he really appreciated Bob a great deal. Just a tremendous amount. Well, the same thing applies to Joe Griggs. Yeah, he goes. He is to go. So I did a little tribute to Bob when I was teaching high priest that week after. I I heard about it, yeah. but I wasn't. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So I did a little tribute to him, and one of the things I talked about was the fact that he's done the same thing with Joe Grigg. He's been there for Joe Grigg. He hasn't just been a home teacher; he's a buddy. Bob didn't like home teaching. I don't like home teaching. We're just friends. Right. You're friends with an individual, no matter whether they're in the gospel or not. And uh, Joe Griggs spoke up and said he never missed. That's pretty unique to say about a guy that he never missed. Think about that. That's just who Bob was. He's never missed. And who Bob is. We're recording. Well, we're recording. She's practicing her singing audition. (laughs) So... If you think about that language from a guy that's still living at 90, and he says, Bob never missed, I think that's huge. That's a big part of who Bob is. Frank Thomas loved him, and Frank Thomas has seen him. He's greeted him, and they're hanging out. They're probably getting some free burgers at Bob's Big Boy. My impression, and like when I fell to my knees to pray as well, I was like, how is this, how is this real? And the distinct impression I had was he needed to teach my dad the gospel. And then I have a friend who um, is like very in tune with the spirit. And he texted me that night and said, oh my gosh, Ben's Ben's dad, like I'm speechless. And he goes, but I already know something that you know. Mm. And I was like, that he needed to teach my dad the gospel? And he said, yes, chills. He said him and many others. Yeah. No, Bob's so, involved in that. No doubt I mean, about it. And him and my dad hung out when my dad was here. and Right. They liked each other a lot. Yeah. And so that was just like a really... My dad was very much not a member. He died of a heart attack, but also drank himself to death. and mm-hmm. So that just kind of gave me comfort. Like, they're there together. Right. Right. Because my blessing says that there'll be great acceptance of the gospel on uh, by my father. It means it by my father, my mother, and my siblings. And so I'm like, I know, I know my whole family will be members. I definitely don't believe a lot of them will be in this life, but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and that's okay. I know it's just, totally all right because I don't think we put place enough emphasis on what the world is to be become. Yeah, we place a lot of emphasis on what this world's about. Yeah, and we think in this world's terms, but in in actuality, uh, my old coworker, uh, he has this big RV and. He was always joking. His wife was dying, but he didn't know that she was going to die at the beginning of last year. And so he would always joke, yeah, I like your dad. He and I should just 
get an RV and go tour the U.S. together. I'm all, oh, you could be the Codger Crusades. Yeah. So that could be that could be your thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then my dad drew up a, like a caricature of them two peeking their heads out of an RV going on the Codger Crusades, and I'm all, that's what he's doing right now. Yeah, right, 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 right. I have right. his last drawing. He drew me. I think I was the only one that appreciated his artwork. Melody never wanted to hang it or Really? Oh yeah. Something was always wrong with it. And like he drew he drew the savior and I loved the photograph of 